Uh, let's just pray right now, and let's once again trust God that He will speak to us as we open the Word this morning and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us uh, through His Word. Heavenly Father, we once again, we come at this time, we come, Lord, with an anticipation in our heart that You will speak to us. Once again, Lord, we are mindful that we have not come to hear the words of men, but we have come to hear the words of God. We have come, Lord, to anticipate that You will bring revelation to our hearts, that You will bring understanding, and we thank You, Father, that Your Word is living and powerful, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it will demolish every lie, every deception, and it will establish truth in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, we once again commit that we're not hearers only, but we are doers of the word, and therefore, thereby we are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. This morning, uh, I've entitled this morning's message uh, is How to Receive and Keep Your Healing. How to Receive and Keep Your Healing. Uh, a Kuzmet view of having had a healing meeting last uh, Sunday in the evening. And many, many people have received tremendous healings uh, in their lives. I kind of felt it would be good to sort of continue on in that vein for just a little bit. And to perhaps bring a bit more scriptural foundation in regards to the truth that healing is for us today. First and foremost, but also uh, uh, secondarily, uh, but equally important, that once we have received our healing, uh, how do we keep our healing? Because it is not entirely uncommon that somebody gets healed miraculously in a healing meeting, but then thereafter the enemy tries to come and, or in and tries to steal that healing again. And then sometimes two, three, six weeks later, uh, the person is back to where they were before because they've lost their healing. So I'd like to address that this morning and bring some keys in regards to how we can stand so that the devil will not be able to rob our healing from us. So with that, I'm going to begin right at the top of the outline there to kind of make an, an opening statement where it says that healing, whether physical, mental, or emotional, is one of the greatest benefits that God has made available to us. All right, uh, and uh, when I say benefits, I would like to uh, uh, affirm that healing actually is part of our salvation. Uh, that, you know, getting saved and, and, and having our sins forgiven and, and being heaven bound is, is part of our salvation, but it's not the whole salvation because God has got salvation for our spirit, soul, and body, uh, and He has got healing available for us, and it's all built into uh, the what we might call the salvation package. Uh, also, we said there that, uh, that, that healing, uh, both physical, mental, and emotional. Sometimes uh, there has been a, an attempt by kind of sectors of, uh, of, of church movements and what have you to kind of relegate physical healing into the past, that miracles only happen when the initial apostles were there. And in the meantime, you know, God just wants to heal us spiritually. Well, spiritual healing happens when we get saved, but thereafter God's got available for us physical healing. He's got mental healing and he's got uh, emotional healing for us. And he's got deliverance for us. Like there's a whole package deal that you and I need to understand. It's a little bit like, you know, an insurance um, policy that when we, uh, you know, communicate with our insurance company or with our insurance broker and we establish a policy, we might as well watch what the inclusions are. Um, 
Of course, they're also quick to turn out what the exclusions are, aren't they? They say, look, uh, we will do this, but we will not do that. Uh, well, God's got no exclusions. God has only got inclusions, all right? <laughs> it's just made a- everything available to us. And so a little bit like reading, you know, the insurance policy document that we know what actually the benefits are as a result of this uh, policy. Uh, well, uh, equally, the Word of God is the, uh, like the insurance policy. We read it and we find out what the benefits are. And, you you know, unlike an insurance policy that we got to pay for, uh, the healing policy that God is for us, the salvation policy, uh, policy is a free package, all right? God's given it to us. We don't need to pay for it. We, we, we can't earn it. God's made it available to us uh, freely, and it's good for us to know and to understand that. That sometimes people say, well, you know, one day when I'll be good enough, then, you know, uh, God might heal me. It's not about being good enough. It is that we receive healing by faith, and we'll discuss some of that uh, as we go along. So healing is available physically. But sometimes people don't need a physical healing. They need a mental healing. There's something that's gone wrong in their mental capacity sometimes. And God's just as easily able to touch somebody's mind as he's able to touch somebody's body to bring healing into that environment. Uh, And then, of course, the whole aspect of our emotions, uh, that God is able and wants to heal people emotionally. In fact, sometimes in order for people to receive physical healing, they need emotional healing just the same. you know, we kind of break it up a little bit for the purpose of communicating that God's included everything. But God's not that kind of, you know, uh, kind of itsy-bitsy about it. God just touches somebody and praise God they get healed spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and yet it is by faith. And if we feel that one thing is included and another thing is excluded, then we're going to have difficulty receiving what we think is excluded. So tell, let me tell you that everything is included. Whatever our needs are, God is included that, uh, in his promises towards us. So let me read from Exodus chapter 23, verse 25. There to kind of establish some scriptural foundation uh, for healing uh, again and to affirm. It says, so you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. And God says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. All right. God says, I will take away sickness from the midst of you. Of course, specifically, God was speaking to the nation of Israel, that a whole nation of several million people, God says, I will take away sickness from the midst of you. That in other words, as a nation, uh, you're not going to have sick people among you uh, as you serve me and, and, and so forth. And, and you know, the Bible says that we, the believers, we are a holy nation. God wants to take away sickness from the holy nation of Christians, that we're not suffering from sickness or from disease. And if we are, we're able to go to God and receive healing from him. So God's promised healing to us. Uh, He has also revealed himself to us as the Lord who heals all of our diseases. Uh, And here in Exodus chapter 15 verse 26, God says, I am the Lord, your healer. All right, God says, I'm the Lord, your healer. One translation says, I'm the Lord, your physician. Um, and sometimes I refer to Jesus as the Lord, my specialist. You know, a physician, a doctor, is a general practitioner. But then there are specialists in the field that specialize for certain areas of, you know, and the whole area of medical sciences. Well, well, the Lord is our physician and he's our specialist. He knows everything about us and he's able to absolutely touch every area in our lives and bring healing and restoration to us in Jesus' name. You know, 
know, the Hebrew word there is Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and Jehovah Rapha is one of what we call the redemptive names of God. It's all included in our redemption. God says, I'm the Lord, your healer. God says, I'm the Lord, your righteousness. I'm the Lord, your peace. I'm the Lord, your provider. It's all part and parcel of our salvation. And it's good to know that God's not only our Savior, but He's also our healer. And then furthermore, in Psalm 103, verses 1, 2, and 3, it's, the psalmist there says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, that deals with salvation, who forgives all your iniquities, all your sins, and then he goes on to say, who heals all of your diseases. Please notice the word all. Amen. Not just some, but all. You know, sometimes in, in humanity, the way that we work is we talk about, you know, at the one end, uh, light uh, illnesses or conditions, you know, might be headache or something. You know, we hear all the heavy-duty stuff. And we think, oh, you know, like in, in our minds, it becomes more difficult as the slider goes from left to right, like from easy to difficult. God's got no such slides. Uh, God heals all of our diseases. Our God is able to do anything where healing is concerned. And God doesn't say easy or difficult. Uh, God just heals, all right? So some of that terminology is part of our thinking. It's not part of God's thinking. So when it comes to receiving healing from God, let's do away with that, with that kind of thinking because God simply touches and uh, there is no sickness, no disease that is able to stain against the power of God. All right. So there's multiple promises that we have in God's Word uh, where God is com confirmed uh, or kind of, uh, yeah, God is confirmed healing that it is His will for us all the time. Everybody say all the time. You know, God doesn't heal today and then not heal tomorrow. Healing is available to us all the time. It is there. It is part of our salvation package. And here in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1, uh, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, great throngs or great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and prostrating himself, uh, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you're able to cleanse me by curing me. Now, please note that leprosy was considered an incurable disease. It was considered what we might term today a chronic uh, disease. It's chronic. It's there all the time, and it doesn't go away by itself. And there was no cure for it, no, no cure medically, uh, and so forth. And so this man came to Jesus, and he says, Lord, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says, you can, you can cleanse me by curing me. And it says that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed by being cured. And instantly his leprosy was cured and cleansed. And so what we understand from this passage of scripture here and from others is that Jesus Christ is God in human form. And this instance here when Jesus, who was God in human form, was asked about whether he was willing to heal, Jesus once and for all established, and he reached out and he says, I'm willing to be cleansed. He didn't question the man about his past. He didn't question the man about his mistakes. He didn't question the man about his sins. He says, I'm willing 
stretched forth his hand and he healed him there and then. And that establishes God's will for our lives today that we must never wonder whether God wants to heal us because it has been fully established in the word of God. And by the way, this is the word. And the word is final authority when it comes to establishing the will of God for our lives. Praise God when we hear great testimony of somebody getting healed that kind of supports what the word says. But let us never take somebody else's experience and elevate it above the level of the word because at that point, we're going to come unstuck. All right? Because people might say, well, but so-and-so didn't get healed. It can't have been God's will. No, no, it's God's will all the time. We can't always explain uh, what goes on in people's lives, why uh, different people at times may fail to receive their healing there and then, but we certainly know from the Word that healing is God's will for His people all the time. Everybody say, all the time. All right, praise God. So, um, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 uh, and verse 15. Uh, this is a scripture that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. I want to go back to it again because it kind of uh, is important for uh, the point of our discussion here today. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, meaning in God, in Christ, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him or that we have asked of him. So what does that mean? Well, it means that our prayers to God and our petition to God regarding healing is well and truly within the will of God. If anything is outside of the will of God, there's no point in asking. But if it is in the will of God, it is our legal uh, it is our legal right and prerogative to ask God and then to receive that which we have asked for. Why? Because it is within the will of God. So we need to be very clear about this. If we are kind of hazy, if we are kind of unsure, then we will have difficulty receiving healing if we're not sure if healing belongs to us. And then, you know, the Bible says an un, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So double-mindedness in the area of healing, or is it God's will or is it not God's will? Or it might be God's will today, but not God's will tomorrow. That kind of double-mindedness... Uh, makes it difficult for people to receive from the Lord. Why? Because we need to receive by faith. And I want to discuss that whole aspect of, of how to receive uh, by faith very shortly. Um, it's certainly not a full in-depth uh, uh, teaching. And, you know, a lot of that we cover in Bible college. We drill right down into the specific aspects of it. Uh, but in any given Sunday service, we've only got so much time. But, you know, faith is sure. Faith never wonders what belongs to it. Faith is sure. Uh, faith is the surety of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So when we receive by faith, it means we are sure. And when we are sure that something belongs to us, then we have faith. And if we are not sure, it means we haven't quite got the faith required in order to receive that specific aspect. That's why we are talking about healing, so that faith can come. And when we proclaim the Word of God on healing, faith rises. Uh, and then once faith is risen, we are in a position to receive from God. So again, let me affirm, when we ask anything that is in accordance with God's will, God hears us. 
And if we, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have our, our petition that we have requested or desired or asked from him. So how do we receive our healing? Of course, for some of you, it's too late. You received healing last, last uh, uh, Sunday in the evening. And like, wow, we had some tremendous healings going on here. I'm talking miraculous healings before our very eyes, people's legs growing out, um, uh, long-term pain leaving, mobility being restored, uh, feeling being restored, uh, uh, devils cast out. It was just a powerful, powerful meeting. But you know, sometimes it's like good to go and, and discuss the mechanics. It's like, how do I receive healing from God? Well, uh, here in Mark 11, 20, uh, 24, Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I want to spend a bit of time on that, that one verse alone because Jesus is giving us a faith lesson in this particular passage of Scripture right there. He's teaching us on how to receive from God. Now, uh, in this instance here, it's a general receiving from God whatever He has promised. But for the purpose of our discussion, we are talking about receiving healing. Because why? That's one of the benefits that God has made available. The same is true, uh, and the same principles applies when it comes to receiving you know, provision from God. That when we have a financial need or another need that we're able to receive from that. The principle is the same, but we are more specifically focusing on the healing side of things. So, let me say first of all, a letter eight says that we need to receive our healing by faith at the time when we pray. At the time when we pray. And that's kind of one of the primary aspects of receiving by faith. That when we pray, we receive there and then. And let me say that feelings have got nothing to do with it at that point in time. Symptoms or lack of symptoms has actually nothing to do with it at that point in time. You know, it's wonderful when we see a miraculous healing before our very eyes. Where a little bit like this leper here, it says that he was instantly cured of his uh, leprosy. Praise God when that happens, and praise God when the gifts of the Spirit are operating and functioning and so forth. But you know, we need to remember that sometimes the gifts are not functioning, but faith is always working. All right. Uh, we can always receive our healing by faith uh, at any time. Uh, when we are in a meeting and the gifts are functioning, I say, praise God, let's make the most of it. Uh, but what say we're not in a meeting and what say we have a need right now? Say we're not in a meeting right now and we need to receive healing. Well, we can do so by faith 24-7 at, uh, at any time. I remember some of the teaching of, of Kenneth Hagen, uh, who has taught faith for some 55 years, according to the, the commission that God has given him. And he talked about that. He says, look, he says, when the gifts are operating, he said, let's make the most of it. And man, did he operate in the gifts. Like, you know, they had healing school there uh, every day uh, in their uh, ministry headquarters there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brother Hagen conducted meetings around mostly North America uh, and, and uh, mostly in, in the United States of America, going from city to city and from place to place, holding meetings and then, you know, praying for people. He says, when the gifts are operating, he says, it's the easiest thing in the world to get people healed. But he says, if the gifts are not operating, we can still pray for people and believe God in faith that they will receive their healing there and then. And there is a slight difference between those two. 
Um, and, and, and sometimes the, uh, the, the, the way that things function is slightly different. So it's remembering that if the gifts are not functioning and there's not an, an outstanding display of the power of God in any given service, we can pray for healing anytime and receive our healing. And, uh, and this is how it's done. We receive our healing the moment we pray. Now, we might pray, say, if we were to say, pray right now on Sunday in the morning, the 9th of April, 2017. It is 2017, isn't it? We haven't, like, skipped a year or something. Praise God. And, and so, and we were to pray, say, right now at 11.20 uh, in the morning. If we pray right now, then at 11.20 in the morning, today we are going to receive our healing. And then at some point thereafter, uh, there may be, uh, you know, an immediate, uh, uh, healing or otherwise the healing will be outworked uh, and established over a period of hours, days and sometimes weeks. All right. And, uh, but the point is we need to receive when we pray. And so that's letter A. We need to receive our healing by faith at the time when we pray. And letter B says if we have received our healing when we prayed, we shall have healing. Now, how come we can say that? Because that's the very thing that Jesus is saying. He, let me read it again. Therefore, I say to you what things you ask. When you pray, circle the word when. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So evidently, the receiving is very important and the having is dependent on the receiving. So what does that mean? That if I uh, pray and I don't receive... Um, when I pray, it means I shan't have. It is as simple as that. All right? So receiving needs to be done at the time when we pray. And that goes through for the area of healing. That goes through in the area of provision. That goes through for whenever we pray, we are receiving the answer to our prayer there and then, and we receive it by faith. We're not waiting to see if anything's happened, to see if it's true or not. We know it's true because we've seen it in the Word. And we received our healing there and then. And then once we have received our healing, we stand on the word. And we're trusting God for the outworking of that healing. Whether that's an instant situation or whether that is over a period of hours, uh, days, or weeks. Uh, you know, not everybody that Jesus prayed for was healed instantly. Many people were. But... Uh, but uh, not everybody was healed instantly. Uh, in one occasion that we see in the Word, Jesus prayed for somebody more than once. Sometimes people say, well, what, what should I do? I've been prayed for, and evidently, uh, you know, the, the healing has manifested. What should I do? You know, one day Jesus prayed for somebody who was blind, and he said to him, what do you see? He says, I see men walking around like trees. So in other words, he had a measure of vision, but not full vision. Uh, he had a kind of a, what we might call a blurred vision at that point. Well, that's better than no vision at all, isn't it? Amen. But you know, God's not the God of 50%. God is the God of 100%. Amen. God doesn't bring a measure of healing and say, well, get by with that. God wants us to receive 100%, you see. And so Jesus prayed for him again a second time, and then the man was instantly healed uh, at that point, or he, was, he received his full healing, I should say, at that point in time. So, you know, we need to realize that there's not like one size that fits all, as it were. Um, in some instances, uh, the gifts are operating, and sometimes the gifts are not operating, but faith always operates. Some, in some instances, there's an instant 
instant recovery and in other, in other uh, instances or situations, there is, there is a, the beginning of a recovery there. People feel better or, or and sometimes people have felt nothing at all. Yet the very next day, that uh, sickness that they were prayed for or prayed against uh, is gone. So just because nothing may have happened in the moment when we pray is actually no indication whether we have received because we receive by faith in our heart. All right, this is very, very important. So in colloquial English, we might say, grab it when you pray and you shall have it. All right, grab it when you pray and you shall have it. You know, if we were to wait until we are healed before we are prepared to receive it, we will have great difficulty in getting healed. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, in fact, uh, part of our discussions with Pastor Bernie, uh, he's, uh, he's actually quite a, a fit individual, uh, and so is his wife. These guys are in the gym practically every day. Uh, he does running. In fact, he has run some marathons, and he's talking about running the Great Wall of China Marathon uh, in the year 2018 or 19, and he wants me to join him. I says, Pastor Bernie, I've never run. I'm a pretty fit sort of a guy, but running is just not my thing. He says, well, it could be. <laughs> it could be. So anyway, so I'm pondering over that one. Uh, I'm pondering over that one. And uh, he has effectively offered to coach me from a distance. In fact, each time when we were back in South Africa, we were out there in the, in the hotel grounds, which is a huge, like we are talking several hotels all within one compound. There's a food outlets and all sorts of places. So we do our rounds around there at, at seven o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and anyway, so, so sometimes when we see people running a marathon, uh, uh, this is what that looks like. You know, they've got people along the way. They've got stations where they give these people some a drink of water. Uh, and, uh, and so this is what that looks like. These runners, they don't carry any water, but you know, they run along and they've got somebody standing there. And as they run along, somebody offers them a glass of water. You know, they take it and then carry on running. They gulp it down and half of it spills and then they carry on running. They're just on, on a run. Um, and you know what? I thought to myself that receiving healing is a little bit like that. You know, when we run through life and we get to a situation where prayer is offered and when we receive uh, our healing, like we, when that glass of water, as it were, is offered to us as we run past, we need to grab it right there and then we carry on running and then we drink it. Uh, and you know, when prayer is offered... Uh, and if you run along and prayer is offered, if you don't receive healing when you pray, and you might want to drink that glass of water, and suddenly you've got nothing in your hand because it's just not there. You have not received it when prayer was offered. So I don't know if that makes sense to you. But the point is, when we have that moment, when we run past that instance where somebody offers us prayer, where somebody, when God offers us healing, grab it right there, and then you shall have it. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Fail to grab it as you run past, you shan't have it. You might do this all you like, but there is no glass in your hand and there is no water in the glass either because you're not even holding a glass. So it's a little bit like that with our healing. Receive it when prayer is being offered. And then thereafter, it says you shall have it. So the shall have is dependent on the receiving. And I can't overemphasize that. Uh, that's kind of one of the most basic functions of faith uh, in regards to receiving from God. Brother Hagen, just a lovely guy. Um, and uh, in fact, I read one of his books uh, that he compiled in the later stages of his life. And, uh, and I was so impressed 
with the main, with the spirit of the main. Uh, I know he's been heavily criticized around the place, and people still criticize him today, but this man and his, min- his ministry has been nothing but a blessing to Pastor Nessa and myself and to multiply thousands of people around the world. And uh, I was so struck when I read that book, not just with the words that he had written, but with the spirit with which he wrote the words. You know, sometimes we hear words, and we might like the words, but sometimes think, oh, there's a spirit there that uh, we, we're, not quite, we're not quite sure about. You know, there could be, sometimes people carry a chip on their shoulder. People speak from a point of offense or from a point of, of resentment or something, and people can feel that. Well, this man had dealt with all, every aspect of all of that, and I was just struck with, the, with, the, uh, with the, uh, the purity that flowed out of his spirit. But anyway, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Um, he was not only a teacher of the word, but he was also a prophet. And, and when he stood in, in, in the office of a prophet, he was actually able to be quite direct and quite, uh, quite sharp. Uh, though he was uh, very, in terms of his spirit, uh, uh, you know, just there was never any controversy around him. There was never any failure of any kind, whether financial or, or moral or otherwise. But when he stood in the office of a prophet, he had some very sharp words to say, and it sometimes took people back a little bit. Uh, like, for example, um, uh, one time I saw him uh, minister to people, and he would pray for them. And then, you know, sometimes people close their eyes as they're being prayed for. And he'd say, open your eyes. And he'd say, did you get it? And they'd say, no. Well, he says, you're not going to have it then. And he'll move on to the next person. (laughs) Now, we know that that's a bit strong. But what's the man trying to do? He's trying to teach us that when prayer is offered and when healing is offered, as it were, that's the time to grab it and to receive it. And... uh, or he would, he would say to them, uh, open your eyes and say, did you get healed? People say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still in pain. He says, well, you're not going to have it. And he'd move on to the next person. Now, as I say, this is kind of quite in your face, as it were. But it is all part of the aspect of teaching us faith that when we run past that thing, if I can use that example of these marathon runners, when we run through life and there is a moment uh, where we are praying or there's a moment where somebody offers to pray for us and where we are deciding that we want to get healed, that's the time to grab it. And then as we carry on running, that's the time then to drink uh, and don't spill it as it were. Receive all of it. Don't just get 50% of the glass. Don't receive just a partial healing. Receive a full healing. All right, because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Is that helping anybody? I want to read um, the same verse of scripture out of two other translations. Um, And I know this is laboring the point a little bit, but as I say, if people don't get this, nothing else in the area of walking by faith is going to work properly because this is one of the primary aspects of receiving when we pray. In the uh, authorized version, or we might call it the King James Version, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, uh, Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So there's kind of a sequential deal going on. If I can start at the end, um, the shall have, in this instance, the healing, the shall have is dependent on the receiving, and the receiving needs to be done when I pray. Now, if we worked our way, our way backwards, I want to work my way forward. When we pray, we receive, and then we shall have. 
um, and, and, and get that firmly established in your mind and in your heart. Because what sometimes people do is they receive, they get prayed for, and then they kind of wait to see if they feel any different. And if they feel different, they say, oh, I've got it, I've got it. Um, and, you know, uh, in that case, it's many times the gifts that are operating to get people healed. It is through the gifts more than through their own faith. But when we develop our own faith, we're not relying on the gifts as much because faith, our faith works all the time if we care to develop it and if we care to kind of, uh, you know, uh, build it up to the level where we're able to receive. Then in the uh, New International Reader's Version, uh, same verse, Mark eleven twenty four. So I tell you, Jesus said, when you pray for something, believe that you have received it I'll start again. Believe that you have already received it, and then it will be yours. So we can see the sequence here is dependent on that we receive before we shall have it. And if we have received it, we shall have it. If we haven't received it, we shall not have it. It is as brutal as that. Uh, but, you know, this is not about trying to keep people out. This is about helping people to come into the full blessing. And that's why we are teaching on faith. So each time when prayer is offered, we thank God from that moment forward. Say, thank you, Father, for my healing. It is mine right now. I have received, and I thank you for it. And we trust God that the outworking of that healing is going to take place within minutes, hours, days, possibly weeks. If there's some situation that sometimes takes a while, uh, the healing, uh, f- you know, to fully manifest. And we need to allow for that, if that's the case, and trust God that uh, 100% healing will be established. So that's as far as receiving our healing is concerned. I want to talk to you now about uh, keeping our healing once we have received it, how to keep our healing. And this is pertinent now. Because as uh, uh, dear sister pointed out before, that the devil has already tried to come in to kind of say, you didn't get healed, or oh, it's back again, which is not an uncommon deal at all. That's how the devil works. Um, and uh, somehow, it seems to me that the devil uh, is not able to put the sickness on uh, on people as easily, but somehow the symptoms uh, is able to kind of, kind of uh, mimic the symptoms. And if people think, oh, it hasn't worked, and it's back again, and they've signed for it with their own mouth, so to speak, and they've lost their healing at that point. Right. It's a little bit like a courier delivery that comes to your house. And let's just say that there's some crazy person that uh, has put a bomb inside a parcel, packaged it all up very nicely. Courier delivery comes to your door with a big parcel in his hand. It says, bomb, uh, you know, or dynamite or something crazy. It's got your name, your address on it. And the courier deliverer says, would you please sign on the dotted line? You say, no, I'm not signing for it. Thank you very much. Please take it away. I don't want that. You don't have to accept that delivery. And so it is when the devil comes and he tries to give you the symptoms. He said, no, thank you very much, devil. I'm not having that back. I'm not signing for it. Because as soon as we, he tricks us into saying it hasn't worked the sickness is back again and in some instances people can be worse afterwards because the devil really slams home hard on them then by the words of their own mouth they've signed for the delivery of those symptoms and the sickness for all intents and purposes is back again so how do we uh 
keep our healing. Well, let me read you from Mark chapter 5, verse 15, in an instant where Jesus uh, is ministered to a person that in this instance was demon-possessed. Um, and you know, when we talk about healing, healing and deliverance actually go hand in hand. Uh, uh, many times when people receive a deliverance, a healing comes automatically uh, with it. Uh, not always, but many times it does. And sometimes when people need uh, healing, they actually need a deliverance because if there is a spirit of infirmity there or some evil spirit, that thing needs to be cast out. It needs to be got rid of so that healing can fully come and be fully established. So let's read this instance here. It says that they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Let's just get some understanding of the background here that Jesus went to the country of the Gadarenes. Uh, the Gadarenes were people that were not uh, full-blood uh, Jewish people. Uh, we know that for a number of reasons, but for one of those reasons we know because they kept pigs uh, as livestock. Jews never keep pigs because, you know, like swines, pigs were kind of forbidden to them uh, as animals, as eating uh, that flesh or even touching these animals. Um, and so forth, but these people kept pigs, uh, and, and so we know that they were not full-blooded Jews. Anyway, besides that, there was a man that was severely demon, demonized, severely demon-possessed, uh, and he was running around in the graveyards of that particular town, uh, and, and amongst the tombs in the middle of the night, he would cry out, he would shout, and he would carry on. He was just completely demonized. They tried to tie him down, and when they tried to tie him down with chains, and with fetters, he just broke all of that apart. Because, um, you know, in some instances, uh, demon-possessed people have got supernatural strength that is not their physical strength uh, because there is a demon behind that. Uh, and, and so in this instance, they tried to tie him down and couldn't. Like he ran around and he will cut himself with stones uh, and so forth. And, you know, which kind of makes me think that sometimes young people, uh, that, that cutting thing that goes on when sometimes people cut themselves. Uh, uh, that is kind of a demon-inspired activity where we need to pray for these young people or whoever that, that might be and, and say, you foul devil, you leave that person alone and tell them that it's not right to yield to that kind of uh, you know, activity. Uh, anyway, in this instance, Jesus turned up at the shoreline there, and he walked into town, and uh, this man uh, that was running around the graveyards came out, and he, he, he threw himself, and in fact, he came running to Jesus. He recognized that Jesus had the answer for his particular problem, uh, and as he ran out there, the demon threw him to the ground, and uh, he began to say things that uh, kind of, you know, the demon taking over, as it were. Anyway, long story short, uh, Jesus says... Uh, he says, uh, you know, come out of him, you unclean spirit. And there was some sort of a dialogue going on in regards to, you know, what is your name? And he says, uh, the demon says, we are legion for we are many. Now, legion in those days uh, is basically reference to a legion of Roman uh, soldiers, a whole section of the army, there were kind of hundreds, thousands, uh, and Bible scholars have worked out how many that would be, could have been as many as 12,000, uh, 12,000 uh, um, 
soldiers in one legion. So these guys, these demons called themselves legion. He says, he says, because we are many. Anyway, Jesus cast them all out. And by the way, it's not a good idea to dialogue with devils when you're doing deliverance. Uh, you don't ask devils questions. You just command them, all right? You don't ask for information. You say, you come out in Jesus' name. I don't even care what your name is. I don't care how many of you there are. You're coming out in Jesus' name, and that's all there is to it. All right? Because sometimes people take that kind of thing and say, well, let's, let's now quiz the devil and get information from him and, and so forth. And so we don't do that. Anyway, Jesus cast out all the devils and they were gone. And the man was sitting there in his right mind. He was now clothed. Uh, he's now dressed because he used to run around naked, uh, which kind of makes me think that sometimes people can't wait to undress themselves publicly. That's a kind of a demon-inspired activity. You know, we sometimes, we sometimes think, we're laughing when somebody streaks across a, a, a sports field or something. You know, these are demon-inspired people that need deliverance. I mean, gosh. Anyway, this man is, uh, is uh, now fully dressed. He's sitting there in his right mind. And now the people are coming and say, oh, gosh, this, they were now afraid. It's like, what's happened here? Um, and those who saw it uh, told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. Because uh, in the meantime, uh, there's 2,000 pigs that had been drowned in the sea. And these guys were not very happy. Uh, because here is all of their livelihood. Here is all of their dinner, their, their pork dinner, all getting washed away in the sea. Um, and, uh, and anyway, they were kind of freaked out. You know, when some of those people say, Jesus, Jesus, come to us, come to us. They said, oh, Jesus, please go away. We're scared. Uh, and we don't like what you're doing. We'd, we'd, we'd rather, you know, we'd rather you not be here. Um, and anyway, um, he says uh, that they, he, they pleaded with him that he might depart from their region. Verse 18, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be able to be with him. Uh, in other words, Jesus, take me with you. I don't even want to stay here myself. Uh, please take me with you. But Jesus did not permit him, verse 19. And he said to him, go home, dear friends, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. So the first point in regards to how do we keep our healing? Letter A, the first point is this. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. Amen. Don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it quiet. Go and broadcast it around the place. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell somebody or at least somebody that will understand. You know, sometimes, sometimes for certain people it's best not to say anything because they will try to talk you out of it. They will not appreciate it. But in the general sense, people like hearing good news. They like hearing that there's still a God today who saves people, who heals people, who, who gets rid of the demons in their lives and, and so forth. And so tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. My friend, your testimony is very powerful because it confirms and it cements what the Lord has done for you. You got to lend your, your mouth to this thing. It's very important because with your mouth, you're confirming what God has done and you're authorizing for that thing to stay in your life. You've signed with your own mouth, as it were. Say, I have received and it's mine and this is what the Lord has done for me. Here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says that they, came, they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Lamb, capital L, reference to Jesus Christ. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And you know, when I read this, it kind of struck me, 
that we not only overcome Satan by what Jesus has done for us, but we also overcome Satan by what we say about it. Amen. It's what, number one, what Jesus has done for us, and number two, what we say about it. What we say about it determines how it's going to go, whether we will experience that what Jesus has done for us or whether we will not experience it. Uh, there is another scripture here in Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Uh, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And here it is, verse 2. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So we need to say so. Whatever God has done, let's say so. Amen. All right. Let's, let's testify. Our testimony is powerful. Right. It confirms and solidifies what God has done in our lives and it encourages other people to believe God for their own selves. And it kind of promotes the whole aspect of the kingdom of God, that these are the benefits that we enjoy in the kingdom of God. So let's not be silent about it. Amen. But let's proclaim it. Interesting situation with the scripture that we started out in Matthew chapter 8, where the leper came to Jesus. Let me just comment on that. It's not in the outline, but it's kind of interesting point to comment on. That when this man got healed from his leprosy, the Bible says that Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this, but go and show yourselves to the priest and testify to them. And then do what Moses commanded you to do. Now, there was a situation where in the Old Testament, when a leper got cleansed, which did happen from time to time, they had to go and show themselves to the priest uh, for several reasons. Number one, the priests were the experts in those days. They knew whether somebody just had a, a, you know, a short remission or just cleaned themselves up or whether they were thoroughly healed. And when the priest gave the okay then that person was allowed to come back into the camp again. So there's a number of things that were going on there that it's good for us to understand the background. Furthermore, Moses commanded these people to offer a couple of, uh, of pigeons as a kind of an offering, kind of a cheap offering, but to kind of say, give that to the priest as an offering and thank God for it. But you know, somebody might say, well, why did Jesus tell one guy to tell all of his friends about his healing and tell the other guy not to say a word. Because really the, the, the understanding is that when God does something for us, we need to proclaim it. Why does Jesus tell this man to keep quiet about it? Well, there's one main reason for that. Already when Jesus came down from the mountain, he was being thronged by the crowds. There was such commotion going on when the work got out that there is this healer walking around that heals people. He raises people from the dead. He's not only the prophet, but he's the Messiah. Jesus couldn't move from town to town properly. They tried to hold him back. They say, please stay with us, Jesus. And he says, no, I'm sent to the whole house of Israel. And so at certain times when Jesus says, keep it quiet, he did so purely for the fact that he didn't want any more commotion he didn't want any more thronging. He didn't want any more crowds to hinder him from going about to do, uh, to fulfill his calling as it were. But let me tell you in the meantime, we in Western society, we haven't got any great commotions around Jesus just now. So let's proclaim everything that God does for us and let's do what we can to get the word out. All right, let's do and get the word out. But the interesting point is, is go and show yourselves to the priest when God has done something for you. You know, it's an interesting thing. But sometimes uh, we have prayed for people here in our church, and sometimes it's been years 
years before somebody has come to see, quote-unquote, the priest, you know, we're all priests, but before people go and see the leadership and say, look, uh, something happened to me, uh, and you know, a couple of years ago when I was in a meeting and, you know, you said this or this happened or you prayed for me and, and I got healed, I said, why did it take you two years to tell me? <laughs> just, just go and show yourself to the priest and tell him what God has done for you. So testify and tell the people that are ministering to you because it encourages them in their faith. I mean, there's numerous instances where, you know, sometimes you might just get up and have a little bit of, a little bit of what seems like chit-chat, you know, during announcements, and, and or we might get up and encourage people to worship God or something, and it's just, it's just, you know, we might just say, it's just a bit of chit-chat and so forth, but there is prophetic utterance in the middle of all of that. And sometimes God, God speaks to people in the middle of all of that, and, and the person ministering is not always fully aware who it's for necessarily and what it's about, but we speak prophetically, and that word fits somewhere. And God uses that to bring us into a place of healing, into a place of deliverance. And when that happens, go and testify. Tell the person that has been ministering and to encourage their faith as well, because sometimes... Uh, um, you know, sometimes, uh, I'm a bit loath to tell you this, but sometimes even preaching, uh, you look at some people and I'm always encouraged when I preach to them. I look at other people and I'm not encouraged. Because <laughs> their facial expression is like... <laughs> now, that's not here, of course. That is, that is in some other places that I've been to. <laughs> No, that's why, that's why when, when Jeremiah got called by God to call him into the ministry as a young man, he says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I've called you to, uh, to root up and to tear out, and I've called you to plant. He says, you, you're a prophet of God or, or, or such like. And then God says to Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, when you stand to minister to the people, do not be afraid of their faces. And I tell you what, for any person ministering, it's, it's, it's not about us being afraid. It's like, it's like sometimes you look at people and say, oh God, is there anybody home here today? <laughs> is there anybody home? So praise God. Let's smile today and let's appreciate God and, and let's, let's all encourage each other. All right? Uh, I'm here to encourage you and, and you're here to encourage me. Praise God. All right? Praise God. So what are we talking about? We're talking about receiving our healing. We're talking about solidifying what God has done by, by telling somebody about it and by even telling the person that is ministered to us. Like you get into your into your small group meeting, into your, into your life group, and you, get, you receive prayer. The next week you go back, just tell them what's happened to you. Uh, uh, unless something immediately happened to you there, you tell it there and then, but otherwise bring back a good report. Everybody will be encouraged by that. And furthermore, when we testify, it releases a spirit into the atmosphere where other people say, I can receive that too. If God will do it for so-and-so, he will do it for me. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. God does not favor one, lift one up and push down another. God wants to lift us all up. Hallelujah. All right, then uh, let it be. Hold fast to the confession of your faith regarding your healing. In Hebrews 10, 22, there's an interesting scripture here. 
It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, this is speaking about faith, right? It says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Um, and that kind of speaks Old Testament language that the priest had to actually physically wash their bodies before they come into the presence of God and so forth. Anyway, all of that's been done away with. I mean, sure, uh, you know, we have a shower in the morning, but, you know, our acceptance by God is not whether we have showered or not. Our acceptance before God is by faith. All right, so it says here, verse 23, let us hold fast the, prof the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. So uh, once we have received our healing, our confession is, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. That's our confession. It, it's not, I'm going to be healed, because remember, we've already received our healing, so we say, I'm healed right now. Amen. And, you know, the devil will fight that because he will come and say, well, no, you're not healed. Look at you. You're not walking properly. You're not standing properly. You're still in faith. You're not healed. You're lying. But we're not talking about fact at this point in time. We're talking about faith. We are, we're declaring what we believe. Yeah, and because we, believe, we declare what we believe, that will actually change fact. It will change situations. And you know, ultimately, our believing in our confession of our faith determines our experience. In the uh, God's Word translation, that's a kind of a modern translation here, it says we must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. We must continue to firmly hold to the declaration of our faith. Why is that so? Because in the natural, everything seems the other way at times. That's why we have to firmly declare our faith and we stand our ground. We're now standing on the word. Amen. Praise God. So again, uh, if symptoms of sickness were to remain or return after prayer, do not confess your sickness, confess your healing. Yeah. That's as basic as it gets. Don't say, oh, I'm, 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 I'm still fighting this thing, or I'm still, you know, I'm still not healed. No, you, you don't confess your, your sickness, you confess your healing. Yeah. All right? So that's the second point. Hold fast to the confession of your faith regarding your healing. And then thirdly, or let us see, continue to feed your faith on the promises of healing. This is kind of a big one. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Amen. Please notice, it, it does not say faith comes by having heard. It, it says faith, faith comes by hearing. Yeah. Yes, we've heard. And yes, when we heard, it ministered faith to us. But in order to keep that faith strong, we need to hear again and again Amen. and again. And that's why where healing is concerned, I would encourage you to memorize healing scriptures and to meditate in those scriptures like every day. That is part of your confession as you go about. You just declare, you just declare, you just speak, you, 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 you just uh, prophesy, you just always speaking healing Amen. rather than speaking sickness or disease. All right, so continue to feed your faith. Continue to hear the word. And, you know, praise God when, you know, in terms of our church environment where, you know, the preaching schedule comes around healing, but, you know, you can't be waiting for that because we might only minister on healing, say, once or twice a year. But, you know, it's good to feed our faith every day, every week where healing is concerned because that's where the enemy attacks a lot. How many of you found that to be the case, that the devil just tries to come in, put something on you? And so we need to have our faith 
quite strong in this area all the time. And then later D, or point number four, cease from dead works and serve God instead. Let me read from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, what does that mean? Well, praise God that the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed, not only that we can be forgiven, but our conscience can be wiped clean from sins, from iniquities, from all of our faults, from everything from the past. Like when we get saved, friends, the slate is wiped clean. God will no longer hold anything against us. God's forgiven. God is forgotten. But not only does God forgive and forget, but he cleanses our conscience. I would even go as far as saying that God cleanses our memory, that there are instances where in certain situations God wants to take the memory of that sin away too. So not, not even the memory of it will ever bother you ever, ever again. That's why the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and that's not in your outline, but the Bible says it nevertheless. It says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. It says, all things have passed away, all things have become new. When we get born again, we are a brand new creation. Yes. Brand new. We're not hashed over. We're not kind of patched up. We are a brand new being on the inside of us. Uh, and God has cleansed our conscience uh, from dead works. Now that word dead works there is an interesting situation. Because back in the Old Testament, uh, yes, these people were, were Jews. And uh, Judaism was their religion. Uh, they lived by the law of Moses, or at least partly. But furthermore, they had crept in all sorts of rules and regulations. All sorts of uh, superstitions, all sorts of, of traditional practices that had crept in. And in the end, when Jesus came, the Jews were so bound up in religion, in, in ritual, in rules and regulations, these people, they couldn't even move hardly because they were so tied up. That's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, you people, he says, if you've laid burdens on the people that even you yourself are not able to bear. Yeah. And that's all dead works. It's just like rituals. Even, even down to the way that people you d would operate in their homes, in their kitchens, when they had a bowl, uh, before they would use a bowl for serving food or for cooking food in it, they had to kind of wash it with water. And, you know, it's good to, good to be clean, but they had to wash it in a sort of a ritual way. They had to swirl the water around this way and swirl it around that way and face towards a certain direction. Just all rules and regulations. My friend, when Jesus comes into our lives, he delivers us from our cultural stupidity and from some of those stupid practices that have tied people up from their fears, from their apprehensions, from their, from their uh, you know, ancestry, from everything delivered. Gone. You're a new creation. You know, every culture has, has its own stupidity. feel a bit of a prophetic anointing coming on right now. I'm, I'm just being a bit direct here with you. <laughs> but let me tell you. Yes. Bible says, he whom the Son sets free, yeah. he shall be free Hallelujah. indeed. Yes. Free from sins. Free from culture. Free from uh, dead works. 
free from some relatives and the expectations where they're breathing down our necks and expect you to do this, that, and the other, which is not what Jesus has called you to do. I mean, the, I mean, the scope is just as wide as you'd like it to be. Freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Hallelujah. All right. So where did we go off there? We, went, we got sidetracked a little bit here. All right. So, so dead works, rituals. Um, you know, I come from a tradition where candle lighting was very important. Not that I ever got into that myself. I was too young for it. But gosh, without candles, these people couldn't pray. And without rosaries. And it's like, <laughs> what is all of this here? It's all dead works. <laughs> it's all dead works. God says, I've delivered you from that. God. And you know, when God brings healing into our lives, He has not brought healing into our lives to give us new strength and new energy to continue to pursue dead works. He's brought healing into our lives so we can serve Him unhindered. Yeah. And that's what it says here. It says that you purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You know, so it's like... Uh, not entirely uncommon, not entirely uncommon, where somebody might come into a church environment, receive a massive healing, and that's the last you ever see them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'll see you later. Uh, I got my, you know, I got my culture to serve, or I got my, my sports to serve, or I've got my this to serve. No, no, no. God calls us out. God calls us out of a lot of these areas so we can serve the living God. Get rid of dead works, serve the living God. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Um, last scripture to kind of affirm what we're talking about. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. All right. And you know that grace that the Bible speaks about it here, that part of that grace is healing where somebody cannot serve God because they're simply not well enough to serve God in any capacity hardly. When God brings healing, that is part of that grace so we can serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear so that we no longer fear tradition, we no longer fear superstition, we no longer fear the devil, uh, we're no longer afraid of people, but we only got a healthy respect for God and a commitment to serve Jesus all the days of our lives.